Welcome to the Care Exchange, the podcast for managers that work in social care. I'm Pia Rastia Burton. And I'm Ali Rusbridge. So we are at episode 10, the last in series one. Um, but we're really excited to announce that we will be back in series two and we'll mm. give you a little bit more details about that uh, later in this episode. And uh, this episode 10 is going to be a little bit different. What we've been doing is reflecting on all the previous nine episodes between us because we've heard so many amazing things and, and learnt from all the nine guests that we've had conversations with. And we thought it would be great to share our thoughts on what we've heard. Yeah, thanks to all our guests. Yeah, we, we've had some amazing registered managers on and um, it's been such an incredibly hard year. And I just wanted to say that I've been absolutely bowled over by the dedication, the commitment and the hard work that everybody that's been on has just sort of demonstrated how amazing they have been during this uh, pandemic. And that they've also been willing to share tips and and when they've been so busy, they've come on and they shared it. And I think, I really do believe that as a country, we need to be so incredibly proud of these registered managers. They've just dealt with an incredibly difficult situation. So it's been a joy listening to them and, and hearing them. Yeah. And having been a manager myself, a registered manager myself, I've really been reflecting. It's just been so challenging um, and I'm not sure how I would have coped. Um, so I think it's just a, a real heartfelt thank you to all registered yeah, managers yeah. out there. And obviously also to our guests for taking the time out of their busy schedules to talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. So what we'll be doing today is, um, like Ali said, we've been reflecting on all the episodes and we've kind of grouped it into five themes, which you will hear about. And we'll sort of kind of take bits from, from all the episodes throughout those five, five themes, um, share some of the great tips you might, not have, you might have missed when you were listening the first time around. Um, you know, picking up on some of the really, really good ideas. Um, we will be referring to everybody just by their first name. We've, we feel we know them really well, haven't, <laughs> haven't had conversation with them. But if you uh, want to have a look at the show notes, um, there will be more sort of details on indi the individual um, guests that we've had on. Yeah, and, and some of our colleagues in Skills for Care have been listening to the podcast and also sort of reflecting themselves on it. And one of them um, noticed that he, he said that it was interesting that most of the managers, when they were talking about their journey into social care, they kind of fallen into it. It was a bit more accidental rather than a choice for so many of them. Um, but also how incredibly passionate they are about social care. It's, it's like when, when you get into it, you, you know, if, if you love it, you stick with it. And they have really, really stuck with it. And I was just thinking, that wouldn't it be amazing if we could kind of package that passion and joy and sort of show people who might now have thought about social care as a career look you know this is how people feel about it because it's a, people have just come across as so passionate haven't they and, and yeah, they have. really yeah. brilliant yeah no if you could package that joy and and uh, and explain it to people who don't know the sector i'm sure lots of people would be coming into working in social yeah. care so let's start with culture so every guest we've talked to have been talking about culture um i thought we'd start by listening to joseph you want people to come to work and to feel um comfortable that they have a voice i think what's been really interesting for me about the point that joseph makes there is is the idea that staff need to have a voice and, and that to me is so important because if you think about an organisation, you can join an organisation where everything's set in stone before you get there and it's all you know, written up and you have to obey 
with the rules and you have to do that. And that's not the kind of culture that he was describing or the other managers were describing. And that it's so important that people are able to create that culture together, isn't it, as an organisation yeah. and have their voice. And Ronnie also, she was mentioning about listening out for even the quieter people. So involving those members of staff who might be quieter in creating that. You know, so that having a voice to me was is a really important point that he, he made there. Absolutely. And and I think feeling valued it, it, when you are at work is so important. And we mm. know retention at times can be difficult in social care. So being able to create a culture where people really want to come to work, mm. which is how mm. Joseph, Joseph described it was, that I want people to come to work. You know, they want to come in and they want to make a difference and they feel that they belong to where, where they're working. Mm-hmm. Like you say, there were so many of our guests um, that mentioned culture. I would say all of them did, but just mm. a couple of other things that I sort of reflected on. When we were talking to Ona right back at episode one, and she was talking about setting a culture of learning that begins with a registered manager, it's one of the things that I'm, you know, really, really passionate about that um, making sure that register manager take time to develop and learn themselves and yeah. and she's quite right when if you if you are just you know kind of planning everybody else's training and not taking time to to learn yourself you're not setting that culture of learning and we know mm. that if people invest in learning and development um, staff and workforce are more likely to stay within their organization or within within their roles they will they really, yeah. really feel that they've been invested in and therefore they are more likely to stay i think the other things you talked about uh, was about bringing her whole self to work um for people to sort of kind of trust her that she very open about how she her as a person and therefore people feel that they can instantly trust her because she's so open yeah yeah the other one that talks a lot about um, culture was Karen. Um, she was really talking about having nothing to hide and everything being solvable and not having this sort of blame culture that if things went wrong, they could, as a team, uh, with her, have a look at it and then learn from it and, and, and find ways of improving things rather than saying, you did this wrong you know we're going to blame you um, and isn't that isn't that a great quote you you could have that as a kind of motto everything is so solvable you yeah. know and if you do that together as a team yeah. because it's kind of culture oh we yeah. can solve this together yeah. i think it's brilliant that yeah and we talk a lot about values you know that would be a great value wouldn't it yeah yeah you know, to have everything is solvable it's really interesting i've been really reflecting on the cqc strategy so cqc uh, launched their new strategy in may 2021 they there's one of the four themes is safety through learning. So CQC has stated that staff must be supported to work in a safe environment, check if they, there's a risk of poor culture and focus on identifying poor culture or closed cultures. And I think when we are talking about culture, we are really saying having this open culture where everything is solvable where there is no blame where we where everybody feels like they belong you're going to be uh, showing that that it's a safe service um and it's a safe environment to work i think the other person that talked a lot about culture was ronnie oh uh, yeah you, you mentioned already you know. yeah but she was saying um the 
she did a lot of work, didn't she, to try and um, help change cultures in perhaps where things hadn't been so good. But I think what was really good about what she was saying was that you can't make a change to culture by yourself. And it's back to that business about staff having a voice, isn't it? That yeah. you can't say this is how we're going to be. You have to get that buy-in from the whole team and you have to actually enable the team to feel that they are creating that together to be part of the change to that. Um, and Marlene also talked about that. I know she was talking from a residential point of view, but she talked about creating an environment which had a sense of community. And that community is where people feel that they can play a part and that they, they've got a voice and that they're a, a really important part of it. Whatever role they're playing, they're all in it together as a community. So I, I just think that buy-in is, is really important, isn't it? it is. And just going back to my point earlier about learning and development, we were talking about own, owners. So Assad in episode nine, talked about um want uh, for staff to be the best that they can be and really kind of investing in that training and obviously they had um got additional funding to provide some some valuable uh learning and development and i think really equipped the frontline staff with knowledge um to be to be able to kind of say well you know we are really believing in you as a team this is mm. we have a culture where we're going to really invest in you uh as an individual as an as a team yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. And delegation was another topic that was talked about in most of the conversations that we had. I thought it'd be useful to, to start by listening to Sue Ann and remember that she runs a really large residential home. I think um, the most important thing that I've seen in managing larger services is that you have to make sure that your whole entire team has an idea of what you do and are aware of how they could support it's about delegation, effective delegation. So you're not just passing jobs on, but you're finding things that are meaningful to the staff members that you work with, just so that you know, when you hand something over, they've got a passion for that and they would carry it forward. So I like the not just passing the job on, uh, on delegation, you know, uh, I think sometimes that's the way, you know, as a manager, you might feel, you know, you've got this huge workload and then you're saying, okay, I can't do it all. Um, who can I pass things on to? And mm. what Suanne was sort of saying was, it was really around um, using that delegation as a way of, of, of kind of developing her staff, going back to our point in, in culture around, you know, yeah. kind of really investing in people. And I know when Marlene was talking about delegation, she was talking about a very sort of specific, which, you know around social media her social media account or the service social media account oh, yeah, so yeah. she was talking about how actually social media wasn't her thing she didn't really understand it she knew it was important but didn't really completely get it and if she'd had to do it it would have been a real chore and mm. it probably wouldn't have been particularly good because if you're having to do something you don't enjoy and it's a it's a chore you kind of just do it don't you yeah <laughs> um where she'd found somebody within an organization who had a real passion for social media who really understood who also had a passion for the service and handed that job over and yes at the beginning she was sort of checking in making sure that she was approving every post but as time went on she then um uh, started to give more and more of that over that responsibility and when we spoke to her she was saying well actually I'm not really checking it now because mm. I have so much trust in that person they know what I want from this they know our values as an organization and they know how it works 
Um, and I think when you think about delegation, that's how it should be. Yeah, absolutely. And get, getting the person with the right skills. But, yeah. but it has so many benefits, dele delegation, doesn't it? I think, yeah. you know, the thing that a lot of them were mentioning was that how people are developed when they've been given some responsibility. So it's a really good way to develop members of staff and boost their confidence, isn't it? Yeah. And, and I think, you know, also about shared responsibility, back to that idea of, of the team or the um, creating the environment and the community, because you're sharing accountability and teamwork when you're doing it all together. So it is about managing your workload, but it is about really creating that sense of the team. And I know Carly was saying you can't juggle all the balls yourself, can you? So really to be able to develop other people and, and make them feel that they have got a real role to play in that community of staff. I think it's such an important thing. And it has to be because everybody mentioned it, you know, and these are busy yeah. managers who are learning. Yeah. I think the other thing is that quite a few of them said they'd had to learn how to delegate, yeah. that they hadn't maybe come naturally to them, but it's something that they really realized the importance of and potentially more during the pandemic because there were so many more tasks that they were asked to do wasn't there so you know being able to then have other people come on board to help with that um, quite a few of them mentioned that yeah and Debbie particularly it was one that springs to mind when she was talking about uh, inf inf infection prevention and control oh, and yeah, how yeah. she'd worked really closely with one of her team and that actually meant that because that they had a shared responsibility for for something that was really important and obviously changing a lot over the uh, over the um, during the pandemic you know continually changing and making sure that you're doing the right thing by having that shared responsibility she was able to have time away from work which is equally important yeah totally um, that leads us really nicely into managing well-being and staff support which um, was something we talked about to many of the guests as, as well, um, really reflecting on, on first of all, of, of managers' well-being. I think when we were talking to Marlene, she was she felt that was so important and something that managers often will uh, not focus mm. on, not mm. prioritising, because they're so focused on the people they're supporting and their workforce. Uh, but she was talking about how if you know you, you need to have you can only have enough energy for everybody else if you've if you've looked after yourself and, yeah. and looked after your own well-being um, and one of the things that I remember her talking about was that when she was having to talk to um, relatives and it would be a really difficult conversation um, that she would go outside and she'd be walking outside so even though it was a really difficult conversation she knew that by being outside in the garden and you, we, we, we know from talking to Marlene that their gardens were, were really well looked after that being outside um, in the fresh air and in the garden actually made a difference to her well-being even though that she was um, having to do something uh, difficult and I think when we are talking about well-being it's about finding things the little things that mm. makes a difference to your well-being so not just have to be the you know meditating or yoga and all the things that you perhaps would think as, as a natural thing that that's well but it could be just a small thing it could be mm. having a hand you know massage in your hands while you're on a call and that makes you feel relaxed it could be so many small little mm. things that if you are aware of those to really sort of look after yourself um during really difficult times and when you are really stressed 
Yeah, it's such a good idea. Just just going out into the garden uh, on the phone, you know, yeah. simple but effective. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, quite a few of the guests talked about other ways that they'd found for their own well-being. And uh, as are in particular, um, talked very openly yeah. about their own mental health um, yeah. and how dancing, both at work and personally, had made a huge difference. That yeah. that um, physical activity that that um, really does make a difference to your mood and and your physical and mental well-being but that's that was about finding a passion wasn't it that can help something that you really love and that you you give time to and that came across um really strongly but also i think as i talked about um the importance of managers supporting each other so that idea of setting up peer supervision so that when when you're stressed you can actually find support from people who know what it's like you know and and just talking to somebody else can absorb a lot of that stress but talking to somebody who's been there and I think that peer support for managers has come across as such an important issue during the pandemic hasn't it we've had quite a few people talking about the examples of of how they've got that whether it's through formal peer supervision or the registered managers networks just actually having a chance to talk to somebody who understands what you're going through and so important to give yourself time to do that yeah absolutely and and allowing yourself that time Mm. to actually say this is equally important to all the many other things that i know a a, um registered managers to-do list is very long and 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 ever-changing but allowing yourself to say well this is also really important therefore yeah. i do need to prioritize it whatever way that is but finding your finding peers around you to be able to support you um is really important Definitely. Um, one skills for care resource uh, that's worth highlighting at this point is the well-being resource finder um that that is a huge amount of well-being resources out there um both in terms of of helplines and resources you can look at um courses you can do but it can be a little bit overwhelming um and if looking at the um the skills for care well-being resource finder it's a really easy way to find things you can kind of it, it's divides thing up you can filter and therefore really narrow down what it is that you're needing so if it's something for you um, and you are looking to talk to somebody it will it will narrow down that narrow down the search and you'll f- find helplines that you can access mm. either for yourself or your or your workforce and um, we also had a number of guests talking about uh, well-being and, and support for their for their workforce. Um, Sue Ann particularly shared a whole array of ideas, and she really did have a have a lot. So, um, and this was right at the beginning of the pandemic, where uh, her and her team were supporting families and sort of kind of took food to to uh, families where where some of their staff were abroad and weren't able to come back. Um, kind of food bag to staff or isolating mm-hmm. um she held some well-being meetings having a, like a well-being cafe kind of a time to and space for staff to reflect on how they were feeling um and opportunities to sort of grieve when they had lost clients uh, the hospice mm. was involved with that and also using of, of mental health first aiders and and just giving staff a, a chance to um, unwind and have a space to space to talk yeah she, she has some great ideas and obviously the ideas that you can implement in a residential setting are, are maybe slightly different to other settings yeah. and, and Joseph for example I know a lot of the managers talked about WhatsApp yeah. and the use of WhatsApp in different ways but his WhatsApp group was specifically set up 
to help staff stay connected with each other and engage with each other. And I think they did a lot more of the kind of sharing experiences of what everybody had been doing with the people they were supporting and celebrating achievements. It sounded like that group was a real kind of, oh, let's 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 see what so-and-so has been doing today. And, oh, that's great. And that whole celebration of, oh, this is brilliant. I think that was a really good example of one in a learning disability setting that was, um, you know, a really good way of doing it. And, and also, I think the um, other ideas that I remember, I remember Azar talking about the importance of gala dinners. Now, gala dinners sounds, I'd, I'd love to have gone to one of those. I mean, that was a really big event, wasn't it, yeah. that they put on for the staff to really show appreciation of the staff and, and just a night for treating them and giving them massages. And, you know, it sounded like a really, really lovely thing to do that the staff must have felt really appreciated. And, and, and that al always means that they're more likely to stay in the organisation and in the work, doesn't it? Yeah, exactly. But that whole thing, you know, it's not just about the one night of a gala dinner, but also, again, as I was talking about, the ongoing good communication and understanding. And going back to that point about culture, that if you're creating that open culture, then staff feel they can talk about absolutely anything in supervision, including their own mental health, I think. Yeah. And that, again, was a, yeah. a, a, a theme coming out of Azar's. Um, but really really that communication and understanding of, of staff is is so much part of being able to support their well-being if they feel they can talk to the manager they're much more likely to be able to deal with what's happening to them yeah, um, and creating a team situation where they can talk to each other they were all really good ideas I think yeah amazing ideas and I think you know we we know that it has been incredibly difficult and it has affect the people's uh, well-being and their mental health so being having having conversations around that you know maybe in supervision or having uh, creating some sort of kind of wellness action plan for your team or your staff you're actually saying to people um you know I i'm here to listen to you mm, and mm. and i'm not going to be able to solve everything but we're going to find resources to be able to help you if you're struggling yeah um, and i think debbie summed it up uh, really well and just to kind of uh, sum up uh, as you talked about um, being kind mm. uh, and, and I know others talked about being kind as well but I remember particularly Debbie talking about being kind being kind to yourself to your work colleagues and to people you're supporting and being kind as a professional yeah great statement and, and being kind, quite kind. a few said didn't they that kind is an underused word that, yes. that is something that should be used more yeah um, again, skills for care colleagues that have been listening to the podcast, I think that they were saying how they, they felt that it was amazing that the managers all retained the enthusiasm for the job during such a challenging um, time and really showed incredible resilience and, and dedication. And I think that, you know, resilience is, again, is a word that, that perhaps people um, don't like so much. I know we tend to talk about well-being more, but it really was demonstrated through all the managers we spoke to that they were able to cope and cope well with the challenges that were thrown at them. And they developed tactics and, and things that work for them, which is why we wanted to listen to them, to share some of those ideas ideas wasn't it um, just that dedication and resilience I think is is something that really has helped people cope yeah 
Um, the next thing that came across, I think, in our themes was working in partnership. And that came across in, in most of the conversations that we had. And I think because integration is becoming more important than ever at the moment, obviously, if we're moving into local integrated care systems in all of the areas and care staff are coming more and more in contact with health colleagues and lots more multidisciplinary team working and, um, you know, place-based support around the person. I'm really excited about that because it, it gives care an equal say in um, you know in in various environments um, and you were saying about the CQC strategy and I, I think the ambition one of their new core ambitions is that care workers can demonstrate how they contributed to an improvement in people receiving joined up care and you know isn't it great that joined up care is becoming such a focus because it, yeah. we know you know over the years it's not been uh, as good as as it could be so that joined up care and, and I think that is all about how you successfully work in partnership. And I know it can be difficult, but let's have a listen to Carly um, and what she says about it. It was about working together to uh, resolve the problem rather than mudsling. Yeah. So rather than go, right, you didn't do yeah. this. Um, it's rather that it's instead of that, we, we say we need this. How can you help? You know, and um, and I think that, you know, we can't work in divisive ways. You know, I sit in lots of meetings and, you know, I hear people all the time say, well, they should do this and they should do that. Well, you know, we're all working under pressure. And yes, you know, we need systems that work. Um, but, you know, let's not water down the situation that everybody's working in and and let's work together on getting the best outcome. And then afterwards, after this is all over, let's retrospectively look back to find out how we did things and how we could do things better for the future. So I, I love Carly talking about not blaming each other, yeah. her, her, her mudslinging. I, I think I think. <laughs> You know, it makes me smile every time I listen to it. But I think her sentiment about finding solutions, being able to understand that we, you know, when you're coming together as partners, we all have our own, we, we come from different points, we come from different organisations, but have working together, you're, you, it's much better than working in isolations. And yes, mm. things are going to go wrong and we will have different ways of viewing, viewing a particular point, but actually we by coming together we're going to have a better outcome for the people that we're supporting yeah 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 sue ann was the other person that talked about kind of she was prioritizing and she'd been doing this for a while before the pandemic about kind of being out there i suppose you know mm, putting yeah. her head above the parapet kind of putting her hand up when there was any any kind of pilot scheme or anything to say yeah we would like to be involved yes we can if we can help we will be and that actually meant that she'd become known in her local area as the as the go-to place yeah. to to try things out um and a that was you know a really way, good way of working she was trying lots of new ways of working and and obviously that was really benefiting the um the service and her as the manager but she was also finding that when the pandemic started that some of the you know new ways of working that really benefited her service she was the first one to kind of get those opportunities yeah. uh, because you know she was well known and when people were thinking okay there's x amount of care homes or care services in this local area who are we going to go to first who would like to respond positively and because they knew sue and they they go go straight to her and, the, and there have been so many innovations haven't there there have been so many of these pilot projects as people are trying yeah. to work out how to do things better so it's really great to be involved in those innovations yeah absolutely 
yeah really and i think it's important to be that role model yeah um to kind of say well you know i we i do this well so therefore you know you know look 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 to me because i'm happy to help yeah um, it's, it's really stressing the expertise that care brings isn't yeah, it because absolutely. too often we've we've sort of assumed that you know health are telling care what to do but actually care has got so many of the solutions and the answers and the expertise and the skills and sharing that in a partnership way yeah i, I was really pleased of the the ideas that suan and, and carly were saying and i think um joseph was talking about how this commitment to working well with others had been really recognized in his recent outstanding cqc report wasn't he because yeah. he was saying that they picked up on the fact that he he was really working on developing those relationships and valuing those relationships and i think he was quoting examples of multidisciplinary team meetings with you know lots of different people in them but he was able to really work with those partners so that it benefited the people that he supports and I think that was the key you mentioned it before you know it's all about the best outcomes for the people being supported isn't it and you can't have those good outcomes unless you're all working around that person to give the best joined up um, care that you can so I, I, I think it's so important this working in partnership area and, and great that we have these brilliant examples yeah brilliant um, and I think both uh, Joseph and Ronnie talked about working in partnership with families, which is, yeah, may not yeah, be, um, you know, you might not think of that as a partnership, but it, but it is. Um, and again, going back to the to the CQC strategy, um, one of the themes is around people and community, um, and that's really around listening to the people and reacting to positive feedback, reacting to um ways you know so, so finding ways of 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 getting feedback and i know mm. sometimes that can be be tricky to to get that feedback so uh the secrecy really want providers um to think about how how do we get feedback um and they will be kind of looking on a monthly basis looking at the feedback that's um that they received um, many people don't realize but actually there's a on the cqc website there is an online feedback mm. section um, and that can't, can be used for good feedback and and not so good you know so if people don't know that that's there uh, they're more likely to go and look for it if they're not happy but really kind of promoting that as, within your services as saying if you're happy with what we're providing yeah you know, t tell our regulate, re regulators so when they do a monthly review on us, they can see that, that you are happy. Mm. And I think going alongside that, um, we recently recorded, Skoska recently recorded a webinar with the um, social care ombudsman about how to manage complaint, but within that practical tips and effectively responding to feedback, yeah. really useful resources that the social care ombudsman have. If you haven't looked at them before, have a, have a look at the 30-minute um, webinar, but also look at the social care ombudsman website. They have some great resources, um, some useful templates, uh, I know one outstanding uh, organisation I work with in my area took all the templates that was on on the uh, ombudsman website and and kind of obviously uh, changed them to to their own organisation. And when CQC came in, they were like, so I, they were going, oh my god, this is really, really great. But actually, she you know she she obviously told them, but they just came came from the social care ombudsman yeah. because they are the experts. They, that this is what they do day to day. I'm just thinking, Peter, that we uh, no, it's it's the sort of thing where people have post-it notes on their computer or on their door or something. We just need one that says feedback, yeah. <laughs> get feedback. Yeah, exactly. You know, finding different ways. Yeah. Quality assurance uh, again was an area where we 
we had a lot of discussions mm. and really loads and loads of good ideas. And again, CQC, uh, one of their themes is about accelerating improvement. And within that, you know, how do you make improvements? And I think when we when we talk about improvement, the first person I think about is Ronnie, because mm. a lot of her conversation was about um, improvement and quality assurance. She talked about having an ongoing improvement plan. You know, but prioritizing safety first, which is interesting when you now know about CQC strategy and talking about safety through learning. Yeah. And, and also, I think, you know, although the, the new strategy is, is slightly different, the inspection regime is still there. And I think it's really important that everybody are preparing for that. And I liked what Karen was saying about how she continually prepares for CQC inspections. Uh, um, we just listened to a quote from her here. For me, it was really good to have that paper kind of um, lever archer folder that every time there was something um, that I felt met outstanding in responsive or outstanding in well-led or in safe, I just slotted it into that, that folder. So it was always there as a reminder for me and to always reflect on. And it was a great folder to hand over to an inspector. She also talked about using her evidence folder and, and how important it is to collate that evidence folder. And, you know, that mantra that she said about plan, invest and record, recording was so important to her, wasn't it? Yeah, I think an, uh, a good uh, an evidence folder is really important. And CQC, again, changing the way they are um, monitoring services. They're now doing this uh, kind of regular monthly uh, review. And that means you don't have that schedule. You don't know when CQC may come in. So therefore, being ready to be inspected, having yeah. all that evidence ready, um, it's, it's something to, to think about and how you have that evidence folder in a way that anybody can look at it at any time i always really like uh, and this is a resource skills for care resource that's been around for a while but the care improvement works website and yeah, i know early when we've done um a web a, a kind of um when we've done uh workshops before we've talked about and we've shown the care improvement works website and looked at what are the best best practice around particular areas if you're looking at something like medication what is the nice um nice best practice around medication what should you be working towards i also really like that karen talked about having an improvement folder going back to ronnie's point and being able to identify improvement that needs to be made and then making changes as a result and really talking about you know sh showing really clearly um that you are aware that you are not perfect and but when you are identifying something that doesn't quite be quite not doesn't quite work as well as you wanted to that you actually identify that and then showing really clearly in, in within your improvement folder um how, how how you're planning on making changes and i actually heard from one organization they used karen's idea and reflect, reflect them in a team meeting of managers so they That's really great. kind of as, as together they kind of looked at those things that's really great and I think the other thing, Joseph, I remember talking about the importance of having quality assurance systems and processes in place. And he, he was saying it helps him sleep at night because it, <laughs> it worried him if he didn't. But I think those processes are really important, aren't they? Yeah. And it's going back to the theme of well-being well again, isn't it? Looking after yourself. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. If you sleep better at night because you've got the processes in, definitely. Yeah, yeah exactly. I, I think, though, Debbie, I mean, and Karen talks a lot about preparing, but Debbie also 
uh, was talking a lot about quality as a continuum and that there shouldn't be peaks and troughs because you're expecting CQC. Um, she talked about, you know, actually all the time looking for um, links to quality improvement and evidence not having to be big things. It could be those little changes that be that made a big impact in people that you support in their lives. And the one thing that she stressed a lot was using training as a link to quality so that you use training to help people learn and change their practice. And I thought that was really useful because training and quality assurance can be very, very closely working together if you do it in that way. Absolutely. And Debbie also talked about having an evidence folder. And she interesting, did, yeah. she was talking about kind of creating a digital evidence folder. So when CQC are not coming to the service, and I know um, increasingly they're going to be looking to inspect um Sort of doing desktop inspections to being able to have things like that and that's part of the cq strategies around smart smarter regulation being able yeah. to share data so if you're planning that already we you know we know that uh, or, or you know that you've got that evidence available if somebody asks for it if an inspector or another uh, external person asks for them mm. Skills of care, we are looking at that uh, CQC strategy. Obviously, it's a very early days, um, and we are going to be making some changes as a result of, of those uh, changes, and particularly introducing some um, uh, updating and having the online version of the Good and Outstanding Guide, mm. uh, and that would be able to help us share the latest and good practices. And we'll also be looking at um, sort of kind of the, some learning and, and associate support to help you prepare for inspection, and and also if things haven't gone so well, kind of support you around that as well, or try to strive to outstanding. One thing to be and we talked a little bit about the CQC strategy is that the strategy is not finished yet from mm. CQC strategy is not finished yet they are still consulting and I always think it's really important to um, take time to to look at that and and contribute um, whatever Definitely. whatever the outcome is going to affect you as a registered manager Sabine and and when you are listening to anything CQC is saying they are really really trying to co-produce um, so if you have an opportunity to attend any other events or contribute in any other way their um, consultations please do do that the, the other thing, we've, we've looked at themes, but the other thing obviously that we covered in, in our conversations was um, our regular slot on stories. Yeah. And I personally, I really, really enjoyed the stories because we, they were totally unexpected. We have no idea what was coming with the stories and people all came up with something completely different, didn't they? Yeah. And, and most of them made us laugh. And oh, I mean, Carly's commode moment. I still think <laughs> about that to you. It's yeah. just, yeah. It, game we're laughing when we think about it but I loved yeah. the stories I, I yeah. thought that was um that was really good yeah. and the other thing obviously we did our time to care slot didn't we and and top yeah. tips yeah it's loads of top tips and I, I've been reflecting on them and many of them I've I've, I've told and so our owner talked about being a list maker I was already a list maker but, <laughs> so um, <was> I. <laughs> but I love the fact that uh Ronnie was talking about not just having a to-do list but actually using an outlook calendar as a to-do list and you know what I've started to do that and it does yeah. really work so I'm planning my time if I know I've got to do something I stick it in the stick it on my outlook calendar and therefore I know that that I won't forget and I will have time to prepare hair um and we talked about we talked about whatsapp already but obviously Assad talked about how uh, the whatsapp group 
they have created for their staff have really kind of helped them communicate with the staff talked about leaving voice uh, voicemails or voice messages um on the whatsapp groups kind of saying you know this is you know hi guys you know i would like you to do something rather and doing, than kind doing of, videos yeah that, that's such a good idea to send videos and demos and things via whatsapp it's a brilliant idea yeah absolutely brilliant so we have just, as we've said throughout today, uh, enjoyed hearing people's tips. Uh, it's been uh, amazing and just we've, I've learned so much and I'm hoping that anybody listening to, the, to, to all nine episodes have, have enjoyed that as much as we have. Yeah, I was thinking what I'd have said if I'd been a, a guest. I, I, I don't know, um, but I mean, so many of the guests said, it, you know, it's about the um, people that you support and uh, about the outcomes for them. And I think, I think Debbie summed it up completely with her quote that came from Theodore Roosevelt, didn't it? Yeah. And that quote has just stayed with me ever since she said it. You know, they don't care what you know, they want to know you care. And that summed it up, didn't it? I think that sums up all our series really doesn't it yeah, quite yeah. well <laughs> yeah. so the care exchange will take a break now for over the summer we will be back in october 2020 2021 um, we have lots of guests planned for series two so do keep an eye out in october of the news of the new podcast then um, your local locality manager will share news of the latest podcast in their whatsapp group so if you're not part of your a whatsapp group near where you are please get in touch with your locality manager and I'm sure they can add you and you'll hear the news as, as uh, a, a podcast is released, you will hear it. I'm really looking forward to series two and I really hope you are too. Yeah, me too, yeah. So thanks for listening today. Bye. Bye.